And so if you have a Bible, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6. Uh, the reason why we're calling them four cups is because um, in, in the Jewish Passover, which happened back uh, earlier this month, uh, the Passover meal, they have four cups of wine, and each one of those cups of wine stands for a different promise. And so when they take their Passover meal, um, the meal that we basically uh, remember as Christians, we, we call it the Last Supper, because this is the supper that Jesus partook of before his crucifixion. Um, they have these four cups of wine, and each cup stands for a promise, and so they don't just drink all of them. They drink the first one, and then they read the first promise, and then they drink the second, and they read the second promise. And these promises, or as the Jews call the four I wills, these I wills are found in Exodus chapter 6, and that's where we're going to read from today. Just, just, just kind of to recap for you, uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. First of all, he says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. From under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's the first I will. That's the first promise. That's the first um, declaration by God. This is the first thing he wants to do for them. He wants to bring them out of the yoke of the Egyptians. They were in slavery in Egypt. And God said, I want to get you out of slavery. I want to, I want to move you from a place of slavery into a place of freedom. And this is the same thing that he's offering to us. We call this the cup of salvation. Um, so when we say that, that God wants salvation for you, we don't just mean that God wants you to pray a prayer. We mean that God wants to get you out of slavery to sin. He wants to move you from a place of bondage, a place of slavery, into a place of freedom. And uh, that's, that's, that's what God has for you, and that comes through faith in Jesus. And so we talked about this back a few weeks ago. Um, but really, the, the, the main way that we as a church, the main way that we present this promise to people is through our Sunday morning worship experience. Um, we believe that, that that's what this, this service right here, that's what this is all about. Uh, if you don't get anything else out of this service, we want you to get out of slavery to sin and into a place of freedom. Um, and we believe it's possible. It's possible in a, in a moment. Uh, the Bible says that if, you, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, that, that that is what starts the journey out of Egypt. And so every single service, we always give people an opportunity to make that first step. And, um, you know, we want, uh, we, we, we want to have a good worship service um, all around. Uh, what I mean is we want to have a service that is enjoyable for people who are already Christians. But honestly, our primary target with this worship service is not people who are already Christians. Um, we, we are primarily looking for those who are not yet Christians, those who are not yet out of Egypt. And our main mission this morning and every single morning for the past 13 weekends has been to declare this promise of God that he has freedom in Jesus name and I believe it's working because we've had 55 people make decisions for Jesus since January 25th right here in this in, in, in this environment and um, so really that's that is very simple it's very simple simple message but we want to preach the gospel every single Sunday and um, we, we still want, if you've been saved for a long time, we hope that, you, that God still speaks to you through his word. And I believe that he will. But um, we want to present the cup of salvation. And, and after that, he says, I will then, then I will free you from be, being slaves to them. Now, that sounds like the first one. I'm going to take you out of a place of slavery. But really, he's, talking not, he's not necessarily talking about moving them out of a place of slavery. He's talking about doing something on the inside freeing them from being, that's the key word there, being slaves. So you can, you, you can be out of Egypt, but you can still have Egypt inside of you. And so that's what we call the cup of deliverance. And um, the way that we offer this cup to our community is through small groups. We believe that, as, that this is a process. This is not just the one, this is not, not, not something that you can just, just do 
like 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 in a service at, at some point. This this actually is is a is a is a, is a process, and I, I do believe there's a start point, there's a finish point, but all along that way, there have got to be people with you. Um, helping you um, become more and more like Jesus, helping you get the Egypt out of you. And so uh, the way we do that is through small groups. We just had a semester of small groups. We're on a break right now. So the month of May, we're on a break. We're going to be starting up brand new small groups in June, and I would encourage you to join one of those small groups. Um, our marriage small group, we just had a little party this past Friday night. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, 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 a hot tub was involved. And... Uh, <laughs> And games, so <laughs> it was a it was a good time. It was a marriage small group, and and man, we just to see God work on marriages is 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 amazing to see husbands and wives coming closer together, becoming more like Christ, experiencing this cup of deliverance. Um, and so we believe that God has that for each and every one of us. Thirdly, He says, "I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment." This is the one we talked about last week: the cup of restoration or the cup of redemption that God. That God has a ha, ha, has an original purpose for you. That's what redemption means. It means to put back to an original purpose. So, so when you were born, God, you weren't born by accident. God had a reason for your birth. He had a purpose for you. And and what often happens is we get off that track. We get off that purpose, and instead we become slaves to sin in Egypt, and we forget who we were made to be. And and what God wants to do is He wants to take us out of Egypt, salvation. He wants to get Egypt out of us, deliverance. But all of that is so that we can get back to the original purpose that he had planned for us all along. And um, that is the cup of redemption. And we believe that God has that for each and every one of us. And the, and, and, and the most practical way that we offer that to our community, of course, it, 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 it also happens over time. But we call it the growth track. And so we have these um, growth track classes uh, each and every week of the month. Each Sunday, we have something going on with the growth track. Today uh, is the fourth Sunday of the month. So today, on the fourth sun Sunday of the month, we have what's called a newcomer's meal. This is happening tonight. Um, inside of your worship guide, you should have received a little insert about that. And uh, what that is, uh, is very simple. Uh, we have a home. Janie and Armando have opened up their home, and they'll be cooking for us. And we have childcare for your kids. And really, we just want to sit down and chat with you. Um, me and my wife want to sit down and just tell you about who we are, where we've come from, why we started a church, and open it up for discussion for you guys just to ask us any questions, any and all questions that, that, that you are interested in. And um, it's, it's a great place for you just to get to know us. It's, it's really a perfect first step. So if you're new to the church or if you're wondering, thinking maybe about joining the church, um, come on out tonight at 6 o'clock and we'll feed you and take care of your kids and chat with you. Um, my wife's much better at talking, so she'll probably do a lot of talking. Um, I just get kind of awkward because like, I have like two questions I know to ask, and after that, it's like, all right. I just start preaching. That's, that's all I know how to do. I just got a Bible? All right, let's go. Let's go. I can talk all day. As you know, I can talk all day um, with the Bible. But uh, the final promise, the final I will, is God says after all of this, and this is really what all of this is leading up to, he says, I will take you as my own people. And this is the first time he uses the word people. Every, every other promise, it's you, it's you, it's you. Now it's people. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Um, would you just bow your head in prayer with me right now? Lord, I thank you for this day. Um, thank you for this wonderful warm weather. 
Uh, Lord, I thank you for living in Texas. Uh, I, I, I thank you, God, that we get to be alive at this time, this period of history. Uh, it's so exciting. There's so many things going down. So many, so, so many things are coming together. Uh, you are coming to get your bride very soon. And it's such a privilege to, to be here right now, here in this, in this city, in, in, in South Austin, Lord. I pray that you would open up your word to us this morning. Open up your word and let us see Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Um, help the Spurs at 2 o'clock today. <laughs> really, they got it, so you don't even really need to help them that much. It's fine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, I have a... They, they, they destroyed the Clippers last game. I don't even know what that was. It was like... That was shameful. Um, I'm really a Piston fan, so it's, I'm just doing all that for you all because I care about my people. I love you. <laughs> and the Pistons don't have a chance. So. <laughs> Bandwagon. Um, uh, we have a special guest, and because of the lights, I think maybe is Jeremy over there? Is Jeremy Hurd somewhere around here? Oh, he's way back in the back. we got a special guest in the back. Jeremy, go ahead and raise your hand, and everybody give up for Pastor, <laughs> Reverend, Apostle, Bishop, Jeremy, uh, no, he's really just pastor. Um, uh, he's uh, <laughs> just uh, he's he's the pastor of Hedges Chapel in uh, uh, Asheville, Ohio, and he's one of our overseers. And uh, it's so good to have him here today. We, those of you who don't know, we have three overseers who oversee me and and this church. And Jeremy is um, probably the one who's most like like kind of a brother relationship to me. We met in Bible college. Um, goodness, ten years ago. And uh, we've been we've been super connected ever since. Um, uh, he's been my accountability partner. Um, so Jeremy knows a lot of stuff that you guys will never know. <laughs> also, he's not very talkative, so that's that that, that works. That works for me. He's kind of introverted. Um, but uh, Jeremy and his family are, are, are here, and uh, uh, yeah, his his wife's from Laredo, so they've been in Laredo this past week, and they drove up like just today for the service. Uh, all the way from Laredo, and they're driving back tomorrow. So, yeah, dedicated, dedicated folks. Um, but I, I thought in honor of Jeremy being here that I would share just, just, a, just a brief story, one of, one of several. Um, when we were in Bible college together, he, he had a, um, what's the car? Yeah, a Ford Mustang. It's a, it's a pretty nice red Mustang. This is back in the days when he was single and, and had really cool cars. Now, now you have a minivan, I think, right? <laughs> I just, here's the bus, here's Jeremy, just, just threw him right under there, um, he's, uh, he's got, you do have a minivan, right, I mean, I do, yeah. yeah, all right, it's the church, you gotta tell the truth, how's it going, um, <laughs> this was not meant to mock Jeremy, I'm sorry, uh, he used to have a Ford Mustang, and it was really pretty, and we would drive around in it, we'd drive up to Columbus, and and one night, it was, it was kind of late, it was dark in the cornfields of Ohio, that's where we went to Bible college, and we were cruising about 50 miles an hour down this back road, and just out of nowhere, this deer, just, just like, it, the deer like had it in for me. And so on my side, which I thought was kind of rude, but on my side, the deer just crashed into like the front corner of the car, took out his headlight, dented, crunched up the front corner there. In fact, I, I, like we pulled over to check on the deer, and I couldn't even open the door. The, the, the passenger door wouldn't open, so I had to climb out of that door. And um, both of us are sort of uh, city people, 
I, I don't know how to say it. City kids, city slickers, city slickers. Uh, we're just kind of, you know, we're just, we're not really like country folks. So um, somebody asked me recently, recently if I had a knife in my pocket. I guess like in Texas, it's manly for men to carry pocket knives. I know. Like I got out of a gang long ago. I don't know, I don't know that. I gave that life up. That's Past, I got. No, just kidding. I've never been a gang. Um, but when you wear skinny jeans, like there's not much space for knives and like things and all that stuff. I'm just trying to get my phone in my back pocket. Somebody. Anyway, okay. Um, so that that's kind of me and Jeremy. We really relate in that sense. And um, so we 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 were we were taken out by this deer. And so both of us pull over and we're like, well, we should probably go check on the deer. And and uh, as I recall, I think Jeremy was a little nervous about checking on the deer because he thought it might like hoof him. Um, apparently when they get angry, they get vicious, and, and I said, oh, it's just a deer, it's fine. I mean, like, we, we, we hit it, it's laying on the side of the road, so I said, oh, I'll go check it out. So I walk back there, and, and there's this poor deer laying there, and, and like, all I remember, there's, there's just, like, blood, and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I, like, like, you know, like, I couldn't see the head, and so I was like, dude, I think you knocked his head off, you know? And so, and so Jeremy comes over, and so we're, we're standing there, and, like, that's when, like, the deer, like, picks up its head. And we realized that we were looking at the wrong end of the deer. Oh, right, there it is. Yeah, it was dark. And we were in shock from, from the near-death experience that I had, okay? Um, so I tell that story because Jeremy's here and it's fun. Uh, but also because it's good to do life together. It's good to have somebody there with you to help you figure out which end is the front end of the deer. You sometimes need a little bit of help. And we were both completely sober. This is just us. We're just kind of weird sometimes and just goofy. I don't know. Um, and uh, but it's it's good. It's good to do life together. And honestly, that's that's much of what the fourth cup is all about. That's what it means when God says, "I will take you as my people." He says basically, look. You're, you weren't created to do life alone. You weren't created to do this thing by yourself. In fact, you're never going to find your purpose uh, just simply by yourself. Um, so, so many times as, as, as Christians, we, we kind of get into a funk and, and we say, well, I, 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 tried, uh, I tried this church thing. I tried this, 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 this group thing. I tried being a part of a small group. I tried, I tried all those things. And the problem is other people are just too, too difficult for me to deal with. And so I'm going to go find my purpose on my own. But that just doesn't work. Because this is God's plan that he would take us as a people, that he would make us a people. Last, uh, uh, yesterday, we were, as a people, we were serving the community of Buda and South Austin. As a people, like 50 of us. Like, there's no way I could do all that by myself. There's no way any of us could. And, but as a people, we're able to do much more than we could ever do by ourselves. And this is, this is, what, the, this is what the cup of... Of, of fulfillment is. That's what the fourth cup, the cup of fulfillment. The Jews call it the cup of praise. And the Hebrew word for praise is hallel. Um, that's, that's the root of hallelujah. That's where we get the word hallelujah. Hallel means to celebrate. Hallel means to celebrate. So really, they call this cup the cup of celebration. And uh, hallelujah is, is basically Yah is God. So hallel is, means to celebrate God. That's what hallelujah means, we, that we, we, we celebrate God. Whenever, whenever the angels shout hallelujah, they're, they're celebrating God. 
But 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 for us, the cup of Hillel is a, is, a, is a cup of praise, and it's not it's not just something that you do on Sunday morning. It's not just something you do when you come in and, and you sing and raise your hands. That's and clap. Those things are like part of praise. But but really, what what the fourth cup is? It's it's where you're living a life of praise, where your life is a Hillel, where your life is a celebration of all that God is and all that. God has done, where you're, where you're living your life to the fullest, and you're a part of a team, because, because the thing is, when you're a part of a team, you're, you're able to, to do much greater and much more than you can ever do on your own, and that's why God says, I will take you as my people, and then I will be your God. In other words, once, once you guys get together, I will come down in the midst of that. God doesn't bless the Lone Ranger Mentality. God doesn't come down with a Lone Ranger mentality. It's, it's when people put aside their differences and, 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 and really some of their preferences and, and compromise and, and, and join hands with other people that God gets down in the middle of it. And when God gets in the middle of it, he comes down and he partners with us and, 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 and it, is, it is over us, leading us in this Hillel kind of life. And um, this, isn't, this isn't just preacher talk. This is also um, uh, sociologist talk and Psychologists talk. Some of you may remember a guy by the name of Abraham Maslow. Uh, you might have learned about him in college. Uh, 1943, Abraham, is a, he was a, a sociologist, and he, um, he put together this list, of this, this hierarchy of, of, of motivational needs. In other words, he said, look, I, I think everybody's motivated by something. This guy's not necessarily a Christian. He might have been, but his, this isn't Christian uh, research. This is just this, this sociologist trying to figure out what motivates people. And so he came up with this list of needs. We're going to put it up there on the screen for you to see. Um, uh, and and the, the, first, the first four needs were, uh, this, were uh, basic, just, just basic needs. Like these are the needs that people have to be alive. First of all, physical needs. Like you have, you need air. So many of you are fulfilling that need right now while you're breathing in and out. You need food. You need air. Uh, so, so we will do things. We are motivated to do things. If, if, if we can get this, if we can get food, if we can put food on the table, we'll, we'll go to work. And so, and so many of us are motivated by that very basic need. The very, the very next one is called safety needs. Uh, we have a need to feel safe. We have, I mean, that's why we have locks on our doors. Uh, that's why we have security systems and alarm systems because, because we, have a, we have a need to feel that we are um, safe from danger, safe from harm. Number three is love needs. We all have love needs. We all have affection. We have need for affection. We have need for for um, yeah, physical affection, for hugs and for, for kisses and, 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 and all that. This is something that is just innately inside of us that God put inside of us. And this scientist is just recognizing that. Number four is esteem needs. And we all need somebody to come alongside us and say, good job. We need somebody to pat us on the back. We need somebody to, to, to let us know that we're valued. And these four are just, just the basic, the first basic needs. Now, he, he, he had another set originally of three needs that were, that were higher needs, and these were more uh, esoteric. These were, these were bigger, kind of grander scale needs that people are motivated, motivated by. Number one, cognitive needs. Um, we, we naturally just have a need to learn things, to know things. Why does this work? Why does that work? That's why kids always ask so many questions. Hallelujah. Um, Amanda was asking the other day why she couldn't have coffee, because I happen to drink a fair amount of coffee, and she's wanting to try it, and I said, no, honey, and um, uh, I said, she's six, and I said, I just don't think you should have coffee right now. She said, well, why not? I said, well, because it has caffeine in it. What's caffeine? Well, caffeine is something that speeds up your blood pressure, uh, makes your heart work faster. Uh, okay, well, what does that do? Well, if your heart goes faster, it's not good, but because I'm bigger, I have more 
fat to absorb the caffeine. My heart doesn't go as fast. Okay, and you're smaller, so it would make your heart go faster. What happens when my heart goes faster? You, 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 you wear out your heart. It gets tired. <laughs> kind of think there, you know? It's like, you get tired. Your heart gets tired. Well, then what happens? Then you die. Your heart gets tired, you die. That's what happens. <laughs> like I say, I'm still trying to work on the parenting thing. But I figure honesty is the best policy. You know? I mean, that's just because that, that ends the discussion. It's over. So I'm not feeding you coffee because I don't want you to die, honey. That's... I'm such a good parent. Uh, you know, if you do give your kids coffee, just ignore that whole spiel. I'm sure your kids are fine to live a long, happy life. Their hearts will not get tired. Um, but this is why we, we have this need. We, we, we need to know, like, why do things work? And that's why we watch Animal Planet and documentaries. And um, I don't watch Animal Planet, but for those of you that do, like, you know, you're just interested in these things. And uh, this, is, this is a physical need, and we are driven by this. We will do things in order to learn things. And uh, it's something God put inside of us. We also have an aesthetic need. Uh, an aesthetic need means, means that we have a need for things to be beautiful. This is why, this is why places like Lowe's exist and Home Depot. <laughs> because we have a house and it's great, but then we need to make it better, right? We need to get a fern for the front yard. We need to get uh, a flag for the, you know, all this kind of, we, we, we have aesthetic needs to, to, to walk into our surroundings and to make it beautiful. That's why we, that's why we go shopping for new clothes because... Because we just we we're motivated by this, and finally Abraham believed that the, the the highest need, the greatest need that we have, like the end goal, the end game need, is what he called self actualization needs, and that's a, a big scientific word. It really just means to to figure out like what you're good at and to do it, to to find self actualization or or to come to a place where you say I'm doing I'm doing what I'm really good at and I'm and I'm loving it. Um, is self-actualization. And so that, that's, that, that, that's what the, the, the scientific community believed was the pinnacle. That was the top of the pyramid um, for so long. that This was, this was it. That, that, that this is what we got to do. This is the greatest motivator for people. They can just find themselves. And uh, somewhere in the 80s or 70s, actually, they, they, they finally decided that something was missing. There was, a, there was a need that people were still motivated, even when it had nothing to do with self-actualization. After they'd already actualized themselves, they, they were still motivated by something even higher. And this is what they, they, they came to, to, to call transcendence needs. Um, transcendent means to, to, to go above and beyond yourself. That uh, the highest human need... The greatest motivation that we have is to do something bigger than us, to do something beyond us. And this is the fourth cup. I mean, what is, what is beyond us but God? What is greater than us but God? What is, what, what is greater than, than our single contribution? It's the contribution of the whole. It's the community coming together as a people. We accomplish so much more than we ever could together. And so, and so I believe that, that the scientists are just figuring out what God had already put in place long ago that, that God wants for us. In fact, in John 10, 10, um, Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And I, I, I gave it to them in the, uh, I think it's the New Living Translation, just because I kind of like the way that they worded there. He says, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That all of these, these needs that God has put inside of us as humans, that he is to be the ultimate fulfiller of all of our needs. And so all four cups really are meant to fulfill us to a place that we are living a rich and satisfied life. And, 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 I, and I would just say that I believe that's always been God's plan. It's always been God's plan that we would walk 
a rich and satisfying life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have any problems. That doesn't mean it's problem-free. That doesn't mean it's, it's worry-free. But it does mean that, that, that God himself is meeting all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that we are finding our fulfillment and our richness and our satisfaction in him and him alone. And we receive that from him. Yeah, yeah. So many times, I think when we talk about like our purpose and our plan, like uh, like God's plan for us, we often talk about it as if it's like this, like sort of like when you lose your keys, you know, like you have to go find it, like you have to find God's plan for your life. Like it's lost, it's out there somewhere. God had it, and then somewhere when He was trying to give it to you, He dropped it and or put it on 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 the table, and somebody put their purse on top of it, or um, I don't know anybody that that, that never happens at our house, um, or or somebody left it in their pants pocket and folded it up and it went into the drawer somewhere. Uh, but it's lost. God's will for you, it's lost. You gotta go find it. You gotta dig and search. And if you just dig long enough and search long enough, you're gonna find it. And and once you find it, man, wow, like doors start opening. You have the perfect job. Your wife is like a supermodel, and uh, uh, your kids are just perfect. Like they just line up like like by height, so it's easier for you to number them. And like you never have to raise your voice, and and everything is just like your your income just bam wow woo woo just and you feel good all the time. And it's just really that's 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 not God's plan for your life. That's a that's that's a, a fantasy. That's something that is does not exist. That we all live in real life, and that God intended for us to live in real life, and that His promises for us is not that we would have this perfect life, but that we would have a fulfilled life. And that in the midst of all of our trouble, in the midst of all of our pain, that we would still be able to hallel. We'd still be able to celebrate. We'd still be able to look at God and say, man, I'm having a rough day at work, but God is still so good to me. And I'm just going to celebrate that. Um, so that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about some fantasy. We're, we're, we're talking about reality. Where we, where, where we live in a real world, but God is there to fulfill us. And, and I, I think probably the best way to see this is by looking at Jesus' example. Um, in Luke, uh, let's see here, Luke chapter 4, um, there's a story uh, that's very, very, very popular story. It's often entitled uh, The Woman at the Well. Um, if, if you've been around church, you've heard about The Woman at the Well. And um, there's a, it's from this passage in Luke chapter 4 where, where Jesus goes and he finds this woman at the well. Like Jesus is sitting by the well in Samaria. He's sitting by this well, and it's the middle of the day. Nobody's supposed to be out here, but there's this one lady who's really, um, who's really trying to avoid people, and she's, she's full of shame. I think she's had like something like five husbands, and she's living with her sixth um, boyfriend, which back in those days was incredibly promiscuous. Nowadays, it's still, you know, still not a good resume. And um, she had, you know, she has had all these husbands, all these issues. She doesn't want anything to do with the community. She meets Jesus, and Jesus strikes up a conversation with her about living water. And, 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 and as the story goes, he begins offering her salvation. And she can't believe it. Uh, and then he starts telling her all that she's ever done. And that's when she knows that he's serious about this salvation because he actually knows her past. And when she figures that out, she, she, she is so excited that she runs into the village and she tells everybody, you got to come out and meet Jesus. And really revival like just breaks out in this Samaritan village. It's an amazing story. Uh, it's often used to talk about the love of Jesus for people who are unlovely. But I would just like to look at the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story is really what's really uh, interesting to me. In Luke, or, uh, sorry, John chapter 4. I think I said Luke chapter 4. It's actually John chapter 4 verse 1. Um, 
there's this, there's this little pre prelude to the story where it says that, that, that the Lord, that Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was uh, baptizing more disciples than John um, because he was, he was near John. He was baptizing near John. You, you read previously in chapter 3 that he had gone uh, along the Jordan River there to baptize. And so when he heard that, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So he's, he's, he's leaving the countryside of Jerusalem, which is Judea, the Judean countryside. He's going to Galilee. And then this little verse 4 says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria, without getting into it, uh, Samaria was, was a town um, that the religious Jews wouldn't go to. They wouldn't even walk through the town because uh, they, they, they deemed those people as less spiritual. And so they felt like they had become unclean if they, if they walked through the town. And so just to, just to illustrate what I'm trying to tell you, that I, I drew this very sophisticated map. Um, <laughs> hey, it's very sophisticated. We had green lines and red lines. Um, the blue line is the Jordan River. Um, and uh, the green line there, um, going from Jerusalem, um, there's a spot there called Anan. Anan is where John the Baptist was baptizing. And most believe that Jesus was baptizing somewhere near John. Probably not the exact same spot as the river, but somewhere near. But that green line is the, the line that Jesus would have traveled to go to, typically to go to Galilee. You see, and this is the line that, that all of the religious Jews would, would take to get to Galilee. Now, obviously, it's a straighter shot to go through Samaria. But they would purposely go out of the way so that they would be able to avoid the Samaritans. They would go along the green route, which is interesting that John the Baptist set up his ministry along the green route because John was called to the religious Jews. And so while the religious Jews are feeling like they're being more holy, I think it's kind of funny, John's there saying, hey, you need to repent. And they're walking along the holy way. And John's like, hey, you guys got to repent. And so anyway, you know, if John were planting a church, he would plant like in Houston because um, that's where all the religious folks are. And... Um, <laughs> And they need Jesus too. I'm not saying that, but you know, Austin's more like over there. Um, and that's us over there. So anyway, this is a little green line. That's where all the religious folks would go because they would go around Samaria. And it seems like Jesus was going along the same path. Like he, he had gone along there. He had gone near John and he was baptizing near John. And then he said, well, I need to go to Galilee. So if you look at the map, it's like, okay, well, you're already halfway to Galilee. Why not just continue that way? But then the Bible says in verse chapter 4 that he needed to go through Samaria. Now that's what's interesting because I don't really know ancient geography until I looked this up. And I realized that he did not need to go through Samaria. Not to argue with the Bible, but I don't see the need personally uh, to go through Samaria. Because between Anan and, and uh, Samaria, there's a whole lot of mountains. It's a desert. It's a mountainous region. And so Jesus says, all right, guys, we need to go to Galilee. And they're like, okay. So they start walking, and Jesus just makes a sharp left. Sychar is the place where he ends up, the town right there. Like, Jesus makes a sharp left and kind of south, actually. And I'm sure they're looking at each other going, why, why are we? Jesus, I thought you said we are going to Galilee. Yeah, but we need to go through Samaria. And no, we don't. Not really. We can just keep going north, really. It's fine. Now we need to go through Samaria. So to me, the need to go through Samaria was not a geographical need. It's not because the GPS told them to go through Samaria. It's, 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 it's not because on the map that was closer. It's because God was telling them to go to Samaria. And he says this at the end of this whole story. He says, he says, look, my bread is to do the will of him who sent me. 
And this is really, this is really the, the crux of, of the fourth cup for you. You, you. you have to realize that you're sent. You're, you're called. Like Jesus, you are sent, you are called. And it's not, you're not called to live a life of convenience. You're called to live a life of calling. So you're not motivated by convenience. You're motivated by a calling. Whenever you start drinking of the fourth cup, what you have to do is sometimes you have to set down your convenience and you have to pick up your calling. Because your calling is with a group of people making a difference. When Jesus walked into that town, it was one way. But when he walked out, it was a whole other way. He was making a difference. When we walked into Buda, it was one way. And I hope we made a little bit of difference yesterday in Buda. And I hope each, each one of us in all of our, our, our work environments, I hope you realize you're called to make a difference there. Sometimes we talk about calling and, and the call of God is on, you know, well, it's a preacher, it's a pastor, somebody up on stage, well, 1973, you know, I surrendered to the call and gave up all my fun and went to serve Jesus, bless God. It's, it's really not. Uh, honestly, this, what I'm doing right now is the funnest, is the, the the, the funnest thing I've ever done. Um, it's funner than anything else I've ever done. It's, and I got up at 5 a.m. this morning, and it's, it's, it's funner. Um, and I like saying that word because it's fun to say it. Um, that's exciting. Like, like when you, you figure out what God's called you to do and you get together with a group of people who also want to make a difference, like, Jesus says, I, 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 I have to go through Samaria. It's not on the way, but I have to go because I'm called. There's a, there's a passage of scripture that I would like for you to read with me. It's in 2 Timothy 1, 9, and this is the, the message uh, paraphrase. He says, God who first saved us, then, can we all just say that together? Then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it, by the way. It was all his idea. It was a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it but that we are called, not just the preacher or the pastor or the evangelist, but each and every one of us are called. You're called to make a difference. There's a, there's a Samaria that God's calling you to go to. And maybe it's your job, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your extended family. You're called to make a difference. You need to start thinking about yourself in that way. You need to start, you need to start even, even just talking about yourself in that way. There was a time in my life when I wasn't sure if I was called or not. And so I'd wake up and look in the mirror and say, Harry, you're called. <laughs> I don't feel called, but the Bible says I'm called. I'm called. I'm called to make a difference. Maybe I'm not equipped yet, but I'm called. Maybe I'm, I'm not I mean, I don't know everything I'm, I need to know, but I'm called. Maybe I haven't been through everything I need to go through, but I'm called. I am sent. I am, I am, I am commissioned by God. There's a Samaria that I am called to go to. And whenever you figure out that, whenever you step into that, really what you'll do is you'll stop walking around it, uh, the, the, the map. You'll stop walking around your Samaria, and you'll start walking into it. It's not convenient. It's a calling. It's not convenient for, for us to set up church. It's not convenient for us to, to go sweat and get sunburned in the, in the sun. It's not, we, we're not living by convenience. We're living by calling. And that's where fulfillment comes in. That's where God's satisfying, rich life comes in. When you start living not by what, what, what's easiest or what's most convenient, but when you start hearing the voice of God calling you into Samaria, 
calling you into this in, 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 into this kind of sacrificial life. When you start hearing him calling you into your family, your extended family, your workplace, your job, and you realize that it's not about your convenience, that your job is not there just for you to get an income, but it's there because you're called there. It's there for you to make a difference. And not only you make a difference, but you come together with people who are making a difference. So many people have been telling me, uh, and City Chapel uh, is, is, just, is just a special church because it seems, like, it seems like City Chapel does the things that a lot of churches talk about doing. And, and, and all I can say to that is that that's because we're called. We're not called to talk about doing stuff. <laughs> we're called to make a difference. We're, we're not called to talk about making a difference. We're not called to dream about making a difference or plan someday on making a difference. We are called right now with the people that we have, with the finances that we have, for as long as the breath that we have to make a difference. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing it. And if there's like three people that show up, we're going to make a difference. And so, and so, and so on the one hand, like if, if you're new to City Chapel and you're like, man, I'm really looking for a place to come sit and hang out and and just relax and 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 just 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 watch this might not be the best church for you i mean we'd love for you to sit for a while but after a while we're i don't know if you noticed but these seats got springs in them you know <laughs> they're comfy but they got springs in them and that's the purpose because you, you, you we don't want you sitting too long because there's a samaria and there's people who need what you got and what i have they need a breath of fresh air they're so thirsty for living water. They got other water. They're so thirsty for their soul. And this is what Jesus said uh, at the end of this story. His disciples, by the way, because Jesus got there. He was thirsty. Obviously, they've been traveling through the desert, through the mountainous region. He arrives, and he's thirsty. And it's kind of funny because his conversation with the woman at the well starts off with, Ma'am, could you get me a drink? And when you read the passage, she actually never gets him a drink. I just noticed details like that because I'm like, he is God for the love of him. Get him a drink, you know, like, <laughs> like he's thirsty and he, like he's the Messiah. And she figures that out and she's so excited about like the, the living water that, that he's offering her. She just forgets about the fact that he's thirsty. She takes on. And so Jesus is still there by the well, still thirsty. And his disciples come back. And his disciples know this, all right? His disciples think like me. In verse 31, it says, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Because they had gone into town. They got him a hamburger, fries, and a Coke and said, We got the hookup, Jesus. Like, that lady, she's a little flaky. She forgot about the water. Not us. We got the water. We are detail-oriented, task-oriented. We got this. And so they bring it to Jesus, and in verse 32, he said to them, I don't want it. And they're like, what? He says, guys, you, you're kind of late, actually. I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And they start talking among themselves. Has anyone brought him something to eat? Have we been replaced? Has he got better disciples that are quicker? They went to the other drive-thru. They went to Burger King. That's what they did. It's always fast. Shorter line. And Jesus said to them, guys, look, it's not, it's not anybody else. It's not any of that. Look, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I would add that after you've done the will 
when you're finishing his work, when you're, when you're a part of a group of people making a difference, it's so fulfilling that you might just forget to eat or drink. Yeah. <laughs> that what you were so concerned about, what you were, like you're worried about your job, so worried about this, worried about that, worried about that, all this stuff. So many times the reason why we're so worried about something is because we're not focused on what we should be. And whenever we get up into a group of people and start fulfilling our purpose, like we might just forget about that stuff. Oh, wait, was I thirsty? Was I hungry? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm great. Like when you're, when, when you're fulfilling your purpose, sometimes you forget to sleep because you're so excited. You're working on stuff. It's like, it's, like, it's like this whole new level of energy just fills you full. It's fulfilling. And that's what we want for each and every one of you. We don't want you caught up in petty issues and worried about things and and, and thirsty all the time for all this other stuff. We want you to be fulfilled with the call that God has on your life. Yeah. We want you to join Woo. with us and, and just uh, live this Hallel life with us. Yes. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus. And so that's why we always offer that. And so we're, right now we're just going to have everyone bow their heads and, and just close their eyes for just, just a moment. And, and if you've never received Jesus or maybe you have in the past and you're been away from him for quite a while and you would like to, to make the first step get out of Egypt if you'd like to receive from the first cup would you just raise your hand right now with me we're gonna I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I'm going to believe that God's able to to rescue you right now 